Thank you for tuning in once again to the Pops Podcast. As you probably know, Pops is a part of Big C Ministries. Another one of those ministries is the Big C Men's Breakfast. Men from over 30 churches around the Pittsburgh area meet once a month during most of the spring and summer to grow in community and hear some amazing speakers. Last Saturday, we heard from our very own Dr. Kishore Velodi, who is not speaking from his regular pop series in Matthew, but bringing a message from the Gospel of Luke. Here's Kishore. All right, brothers, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Can you tell I'm a little excited today? And we are on time today, which means that if you guys stay excited like this with me, I talk even faster, and you guys get home even sooner. How about that? Praise God. Praise God. I want to thank you, Jay, for inviting me up to share again, and the Big C Ministry team for inviting me to share again. Brothers, unless the Lord returns or I get kicked off this stage today, I'm going to get actually my sixth Big C pen because I once shared my testimony, and five times now I'm going to be able to share this, which means that when I leave here, I'm going to look on all the backs of your cars, and I'm going to look for a GOT6 bumper sticker, and I'm going to take it. Why? Because I'm a Bears fan. And I need something that says God six. The only thing I got six of is six Bixie pens, okay? Praise God, praise God. What a joy and a privilege it is to share this message with you today representing Prodigal Love Ministries. I do get the opportunity to share messages and pulpits all over this region. It's been such a joy. I prayed back in uh, the pandemic time. I said, Lord, give me more opportunities. It's kind of drying up. And it has been busy, and praise God for that. Amen? Amen. So if you're, any of you are in church leadership positions, you have a men's group, you have a Sunday service, you have a retreat, whatever, you need someone to come and speak and wake people up, that's what this voice God has given me is able to do. And a really, really quick, before I get into the message, another plug for Pops. I'm one of the uh, co-teachers at Pops. Yeah, Pops! We got Pops guys in here. All right. I didn't even ask for you guys to clap, and you did. That's awesome. You see, guys, Pops is our Guys Church Unplugged. We meet up on the top of the hill there at Knob Hill Park in this pavilion. It's beautiful. We talk about um, sermons on the mountainside, and that's exactly what we're doing up there. We go verse by verse through the Bible. Uh, I'm doing the book of Matthew. We never skip a verse. And the reason we never skip a verse is because unlike any other church that you'll go to, even if it's a hard verse, we're going to preach on that that day because... We don't have to worry about filling pews. We don't have pews. They're picnic benches, okay? We don't have to worry about filling the offering bag. We need to be more concerned about whether we're sharing God's Word and sharing it completely. And that is what we do at Pops. So you are invited to Pops. See the dates on that sheet. So, okay, brothers, for us today, the Lord has given me a message of hope. But it's also a significant challenge. And I want to pray to prepare our hearts. Lord God, I do praise you this day. I praise you for the men that are in this place God, the men that you have brought in here, Lord, make our hearts and our souls fertile ground for this message, Lord. As we are challenged, as I have been challenged in the preparation of this message, God, I pray that you would challenge us and help us to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, I am indeed a pediatrician, and I've learned a lot in my training about child development. I've learned about when do kids typically walk or crawl or talk. I've learned about what to expect mentally from a a preschooler or a school-aged kid or even teenagers. Can you imagine that? All four of my kids now are teenagers, and no amount of training could have prepared me for this, right? We just dropped our first one off at college last month, and boy, that's been an experience unlike anything I could have 
imagine. And I know some of you guys in here, I see some gray hairs in here. You're thinking, wait till that next phase starts, when all those kids start getting married. Weddings, right? Let me ask you, who in here has never been to a wedding? Never. Even Kieran's been to a wedding. You see that? The youngest guy in here, I think the youngest guy in here, I'm not sure. It might be a contest. But everyone has been to a wedding. It's such a common thing for all of us to experience, which is why I believe the Lord uses a wedding metaphor when he describes his relationship to his church. He speaks of that relationship as one of a, a groom and a bride. And let's be honest, for some of us manly men, right, in here, that's a hard thing for us to really think about being a bride. We're, we're, it, it, it's not like the, the, the Lord is saying that we're a bride in some sort of effeminate kind of way. It's a spiritual marriage that he's describing for us. That our Savior, it's a marriage between us and our Savior, but also a marriage between His church, the big C church, and, his, and the Creator. And we all know, right, that after any wedding, there's always a wedding reception that follows. And for some weddings, it's a, it's a cookie table. This is a Western PA thing I've learned since moving to Chicago. Sometimes it's a cookie table, and you invite your family and your closest friends. And for others, it's like a big, huge banquet, fancy banquet shared by hundreds of guests. And I'm thinking to myself, I hope that for my bank account's sake that my four kids choose option two, but we'll find out. But I tell you what, here's the thing. The Lord, he talks about this future celebration after our spiritual marriage to him. It's an extravagant, never-before-seen, great wedding banquet between the Lord and his bride, the church. In fact, he talks about it right in the beginning here in the Old Testament in Isaiah. I'm going to read this to you. And just as I read this verse to you, I want you to just hear the Lord saying these things to us, his church. It says, On this mountain of the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, a rich food full of marrow, of aged wine, well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces, praise God, and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. It will be said on that day, Behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in his salvation. Praise God. That's in Isaiah. Now you might think, oh, is that just an Old Testament concept, this banquet? So I want to take you to the last book of the Bible in Revelation. As John the Revelator, he writes this in Revelation 19, 6 through 9. He says, Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure, for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Thanks be to God. Praise God. You know, Scripture can sometimes preach itself, can it? And I love how the angel says to John here, these are the true words of God. Brothers, this is not some pie-in-the-sky dream. It is reality for those of us who have given ourselves to the Lamb, 
to Jesus, meaning that you have said that he alone is who you will follow for now and forevermore. You are forever bonded with him for all eternity. And when you breathe your last here on earth, your next breath is in the receiving line at the great banquet in heaven. Amen? And not only that, and it's okay to get excited about this, guys, that no matter what mistakes you have made in your life, no matter how terrible or dirty you've made yourself spiritually, the Word tells us that you will be clothed in the brightest, purest clothing at this wedding feast with garments that only the Lord Himself could provide. Amen? And no matter what pain or struggles that you have experienced or are experiencing now, no matter the tears that you have shed or perhaps continue to shed in this life, the Word tells us that every tear will be wiped away by the Lord our God. Praise God. Brothers, this great Rescuer, He has come and His name is Jesus. Amen. And if you don't know Him today, if you don't know Him today, please come. And find me because there is someone who has literally died to meet you. And he promises that you will never be alone. That he will carry your burdens. That he will walk alongside of you. That he will set you free. And he is inviting you to more than just a, an eternity. More than a beautiful eternity. It starts all, though, with saying yes to following him. And it starts now on this earth. And have you accepted that invitation? Because I can tell you, you have definitely received it. And how do I know this? I know this because his wedding invitation, it goes out to everyone. But all he needs is your RSVP and your heavenly big C name tag <laughs> is filled out already for the great banquet to come. You just need to RSVP. So today we're going to look at Luke 14 to learn more about this invite list. And get ready, I'm preparing many of you in here today because it really shocked his audience back then when they discovered who was on the invite list. And it's going to shock some of us today as well. So in Luke 14, Jesus is sitting in the house of a Pharisee who had invited all of his lawyer and Pharisee friends to a feast on the Sabbath day. And this was not uncommon in the Middle East to invite a local pastor, a preacher, a rabbi to a meal. And they want to find out what's your political views? What are your theological views? They really want to test him. And Jesus immediately shows this crowd that he's not going to be what they expect. He shows up and immediately he heals a man that's right in front of them. He heals him on the Sabbath, challenging those Sabbath laws about working on the Sabbath day. Then he challenges them even further. Individually, he tells them, you know, you really got to work on being humble and thinking less about yourself. And then he begins his greatest challenge as he shares about this great banquet we've been talking about today and how the guests are going to look very different than who this Pharisee had invited to his own dinner on that day. So let's look at Luke 14, starting in verse 12. It said, He said also to the man who had invited him, When you give a dinner or a banquet... Do not invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or your rich neighbors, lest they also invite you in return and you be repaid. But when you give a feast, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed because they cannot repay you, for you will be repaid at the resurrection of the just. And after Jesus said this, one of the people at this party, he, he felt the need to proclaim his own thoughts at that time. 
And it says in the next verse, when one of those who reclined at table with him heard these things, he said to him, blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. And that man who, who proclaims that, I don't think he really understood what Jesus had just said. I think he was getting excited about the idea of a banquet, right? Who wouldn't? And he's probably, though, thinking, well, given who I am, my status, my heritage, all the good that I have done, I'll obviously be at this great banquet. But so far, Jesus hasn't really been impressed as he would probably have expected. He, wanted to, he was thinking, well, Jesus is here to impress all these religious people, but his actions and what he's been saying really hasn't done that. So I think this man is trying to say, hey, here's your chance, Jesus, to redeem yourself, to pass the Pharisee test. He's supposed to respond, Jesus is supposed to respond with, yes, indeed, all of you fine, upstanding, good people in here. You'll, of course, you'll, of course you'll be at the great banquet at the kingdom of God. But brothers, here's a difficult truth for them and for us. As many of us think that receiving the invitation is the same as actually sending back the RSVP. Like when Jay sends out the big C in or out email, some of you guys in here, I'm just saying, you don't feel like responding to the RSVP, right, Jay? I mean, sometimes it happens. Sometimes guys do it really fast. Everybody responds. Everyone always responds. Great. But in all seriousness, the invitation to the great banquet, the heavenly banquet, requires an RSVP. We've all been invited, but your grandma's RSVP, that's not for you. Your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother, your wife, their RSVP is not for you. You must decide how you will respond to this invitation individually. So just like the monthly email we get from Big C, the God is asking you today, are you in or are you out? Do you want to accept and experience all the love and the joy that Jesus has prepared for you? Or do you want to reject it? But the choice is yours. And he makes it easy for us because the return envelope, it's already addressed. But your good works and your overall good Christian actions, they're not the stamp that's going to get this RSVP where it needs to go. You might help old ladies cross the street. Thank goodness for that. You may attend church two or three times a week. You may volunteer two or three more times. You may go to every men's group there is. You may even be in the frankincense club at the big C. But your RSVP can only get to the post office in heaven with a heavenly seal. And that seal is made by the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. You see, Jesus' audience back then in this, in this portion of Luke 14, they were filled with some fine and upstanding religious leaders, and they surely would have thought if anyone was being invited to a heavenly banquet, it was them. But God's invite list, it doesn't look like what they would expect or understand, especially if, if, if Jesus was to pull out the invite list and show it to them, I don't think they would have understood it. So in order to explain this to them and to us, he continues on by telling them a parable. And here's where it starts in verse 16. He says, But he said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. And at the time for the banquet, he sent his servant to say to those who had been invited, Come, for now everything is, everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. And the first said to him, I bought a field. I must go see it. Please have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. And I go to examine them. Please have me excused. And another said, I have married a wife. And therefore I cannot come. 
As with any parable, I think it's important for us to recognize who the characters are. There's a man, he's giving the banquet. That's the Lord. And he's sending out invitations to this great banquet to commemorate the wedding between Jesus and his church. We've been talking about that so far today. And this man, he's ordered the finest food from the heavenly walnut grill. He's brought Orem's donuts even. He's getting it all ready to go. And after all that work and all that preparation, he sends out a servant to those invited guests. And not only do these guests start to make excuses, but then they reject and insult the host by some ridiculous excuses. The first one says, oh, I bought some land and now I've got to go check it out. But both then and now, nobody would buy such an expensive purchase without already having looked at it. It would have taken months and years of preparation for that type of transaction to have taken place. It would be like if somebody in here today said, I just bought a million dollar home and now I'm going to go look at it after the purchase is already made. No one's going to do that. It's, a, it's an insult to the inviter, to the, to the man who's making these invitations. And then the second one says, oh, I bought five yoke of oxen, and now I'm going to go check them out. And again, this would have been unheard of in that time. It would be like today saying, I'm going to go buy four new tires for my car. Now, anybody who's done anything with their cars knows that tires are a very expensive purchase. No one's going to say, oh, I'm going to buy four tires. I'm not going to check whether they're new or old. I'm just going to get whatever. And buying oxen back then would have been a similarly very expensive purchase. So each pair of those oxen would have been verified that they could equally pull at the same rate. Nobody would have bought oxen without looking at them first. Again, another insult to the host. But now, at least these first two people who reject, at least they say, please have me excused. But the last guy doesn't even have the courtesy to do that. In fact, his response is perhaps the, mo perhaps the most rude and insulting of them all. We have to understand culturally, what he said is, I've got a wife. And I have to spend time sexually with her tonight, is what that would have meant in the way he would have responded. So I'm not coming today. And so, and speaking so offensively about a woman in that way and using it as an excuse not to come to this banquet, that was the last straw, understandably, for the servant who now goes back to the master. And how does the master respond? Let's look at verse 21. So the servant came and reported these things to his master. And then the master of the house became angry. And I can just see, I can see the original audience of the Pharisees and the lawyers and the other well-to-do people, and they're all leaning forward in at this point. Because this is the point where they would expect the anger of this master to turn into retaliation, to turn into violence. Because that's what would have been expected of a human master put in this situation. But I think even more so, I think that they would have understood in this parable what Jesus is telling them is that this master is representing, representing the Lord. And I bet you they would have thought, just like any other ancient Near Eastern God of that time, that they would have thought that this God is going to respond with complete and total annihilation and destruction of the, and the death of these enemies. Kind of like a Schwarzenegger or a Stallone movie back in the day and all the bad guys are going to be taken care of by the end. But there is nothing more amazing to me than the ways that Jesus shows us how God's ways are not our ways. Yes, Praise God. His anger is always towards the sin that entangles us. But his response to us is always mercy and grace. Will you turn to him? Because just think about it. A soldier 
comes to arrest Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he experiences Jesus' love and healing. The men who hammered nails into his wrists, into a humiliating cross, they hear him say, Father, forgive them. The thief who mocked him heard Jesus say to the other, Today you will be with me in paradise. And standing before you today is a former atheist, a former vocally anti-Christian sinner whose deeds deserve nothing more than eternal punishment. But I stand before you today because his anger was not towards me, but towards the sin that entrapped me. And his grace has always, always been before me. Praise God. Praise God. Even when you cannot see it, His grace stands before you. And He says to you, you are my beloved child. Come, take your place at the table with my family. What an invitation to all of us today that no matter what words our mouths have spoken, no matter what actions our bodies have done, His face towards us is always one of love, of mercy, of grace, and not anger. Praise God. So in this parable, Jesus is showing them how the Master can process His anger into grace and amazingly send out even more invitations. Let's look at that. The second half of verse 21. And He said to the servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. That group of people would have been completely unheard of to the original hearers of this parable because back then it would have been assumed that if you suffered from a disability, that you were being punished by God. Either for your own sins or for the sins of the parents or grandparents, whatever. And so for this reason back then, people with disabilities were viewed as total outcasts, rejected by God. And we see this in story after story of the blind and the deaf and the paralyzed and the leprous and the demon-possessed. The only ones they feel comfortable coming to is Jesus. Because they were finally recognizing in Jesus that there were eyes upon them and eyes of love and not of judgment. He was not bringing condemnation to them for their disability. He was bringing them freedom from whatever it is that they asked for. And I don't have time today to go into what all of this should mean for us as Christians, but let me just say that if we want to be known as those who stand on the side of life, then we have to be known as people who stand on the side of people with disabilities. So that a woman who is carrying a baby, who is found prenatally to have some sort of disability, that that woman knows that in this room are men who are Christian men who are willing to sacrifice of their time and their resources to support her and that baby. And you see, we talked about this topic at Pops a few weeks ago, and if you're ready to be really challenged, go back in the Pops podcast, just search Guys Church Unplugged Podcast. You'll find it. You can find it on your, on your phone, on your podcast app. But the big picture for us today is Jesus is telling them that the Master is sending out invitations to this banquet, and He's sending it out to those who they think are unworthy. And it's nowhere near, though, as shocking as this next group that he invites. Whew, Lord, give me, give me the words. Lord, Luke 14, 22 to 24, it says, And the servant said, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. Praise God. And the master said to the servant, Go out to the highways and the hedges and compel people to come in, that my house may be filled. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. 
I can just imagine the servant watching the stream of people who are coming into this banquet. People with leprosy, people being brought in on mats, people with cognitive delays, intellectual disabilities. They are all coming in to celebrate at the great banquet, this tremendous banquet. And the servant, being, am being amazed at the grace of this master, he's looking around and he's realizing there's so much more room. The master hasn't taken away any tables or chairs from that first group who rejected him. Those places are still available, and there's more and more place coming for guests. So the master sends out the servant beyond the boundaries that have originally been sent. And the original audience would have understood this to mean that the master is telling them to bring in the people, not just the original chosen people, the Jewish people. No, he's saying go out and bring out some more Gentiles, people who are on the outside. And not just those who are poor and crippled and lame and all the things that are here on the inside, but even those on the outside, go and bring them. Which is why everybody in this room, unless you have a Jewish heritage, every single person in this room should be saying, Hallelujah, that the Lord thought about us on the outside. But this is all-encompassing love that the Lord has promised and He brings to us today. And the servant, he's looking... Also, he has to go out to these highways and the hedges and bring in those people who are literally homeless, drug addicts, living on the street, thugs and prostitutes, whatever. These, this servant is now tasked to go out and invite them all. And brothers, our God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Which means that He is a God who is constantly sending out invitations to anyone who will receive them, always turning His anger into grace and always tearing down the boundaries of us and them. Which leads me to the greatest challenge for us all today. Disciples of Christ in here today, you, you are that servant. And you are tasked with sending out the invites. And we cannot surround ourselves constantly with those who have already gotten the invitation and RSVP'd. Because we are told to go out to the highways and the hedges and tell all about this invitation. And that has been a real personal challenge for me over the last many weeks. The Lord has been bringing this one home to me. I love church. And I love small groups that I'm involved in. And I love men's groups. And brothers, I love church potlucks. Please invite me to speak at your church potluck. <laughs> but that is not where I should remain for all my waking hours. Because the Lord is telling all believers here in this room today, stop being so comfortable basking in God's love and start getting uncomfortable where you spread God's love. Amen? Amen. Amen? Stop being so comfortable basking in God's love and start being uncomfortable where you spread God's love. So who do you think in your life, who do you think are found on the highways and the hedges near you today? Who do you think is not worthy of this great banquet? People who are too far gone, in your opinion, are not worthy to receive an invitation. Is it that coworker at work? The one with that crass mouth? <laughs> is it that person with the bumper sticker saying that they hate your political candidate, but they love the other guy? Are they folks maybe from different racial or economic backgrounds that just feel so different from your own that maybe you even feel uncomfortable at the thought of being amongst a group of them? 
Is there a woman holding a sign that says, my body, my choice? Is there an openly and proudly gay person at that grocery store where you are at? Who are the people who are on the highways and the hedges of your life? Only you can answer that question individually for yourself. But the Lord is telling you that those people are people he wants to invite to his banquet. And whether you agree or you don't agree, you are the servant assigned to deliver the master's invitation to those all around you. You can personally choose to refuse his invitation, but you cannot adjust the master's guest list. Ooh, that's a hard one for me. Because that guest list, it included the greatest sinners of that time. Jesus talks about the prostitutes and the tax collectors, the greatest sinners of that time. And it also includes now in your life those who you consider the greatest sinners of our time. And it includes people who make you feel uncomfortable to be around them. But the heavenly servant's job description has not changed. It's time to start inviting who the master has said is invited. Because he wants his house to be filled, brothers. In fact, he won't be satisfied until every single seat at every single table is filled at that heavenly banquet. And notice how he doesn't say, now go up to these people and just say, well, I guess you're invited too. I don't know why he's invited you. But you can come if you want. No, no, no. He wants us to compel them to come to the banquet. And it's not a compel like he wants us to force and pull them in, kicking and screaming. Oh, no, no, no. He's, what he's thinking is, there's going to be people that we're going to go talk to on the highways and the hedges, and they're going to say, wait, wait, wait. Is he, why is this guy even talking to me? Aren't these the people who don't like me? Aren't these the Christians who avoid people like me? There's no way that their God would want me at their banquet after all I've done. There's no way a sinner like me would be welcomed there. I swear all the time. I've committed adultery. I'm divorced. I vote pro-choice. I'm gay. Whatever they're going to say. The Lord knows that there are going to be all kinds of excuses from those people that are on the outside. But He wants us his servants, to convince these guests of the good news. And it's really good news. And he wants us to compel them that they are truly invited. Now I know that in this room, there are so many men that have probably never heard a message like this. Because you can't fill seats in a church pew with messages like this. And if I don't get invited back for my seventh big C pen, I know that I've done what the Lord has called me to do today, and so I feel no shame. <laughs> but some folks are thinking, no way, not me. I'm not inviting those sinners to the banquet. I don't even want them in the same room with me now. I, why would I want them at my table at the great heavenly banquet? And brothers, what we're doing when we say that is essentially we are RSVPing out. And that's your choice. But it doesn't change the fact that the Lord is saying the prostitutes and the tax collectors go into the kingdom of God before you. But there is still space for you. Are you willing to come? Really, you can insert any sinful behavior that you deem unworthy into, his, into this statement. Just pick the ones that offend you the most. Whatever offends you the most, those people the Lord is saying, they're coming into the banquet. And then truly discuss your thoughts on the guest list with the Lord and marvel at the Lord. We've been doing a lot of this at Pops. Marvel at the Lord as He begins to change your heart to become more gracious and merciful towards those very sinners. And I'm not telling you as a man who has arrived. I'm telling you as a man who is in process 
That when you start praying for sinners, when you pray for them to know Jesus, really praying for them, not for their judgment, but for them in love, as only He can, God will give you a heart for them. Because loving sinners like He does is not an option. It is a command. And the Lord has been hammering that into this thick skull a lot recently. So how will you know when God's work is being done in your heart? To make you love sinners as He does? It's when you look at that guest list and you look at it with excitement, not with dread. Excitement. Because you realize that you have the privilege, brothers, the privilege to share this good news to the lost and the broken in the world. Brothers, some folks are getting pretty bored in their faith. I know that. I've been there. But if you take this task on, if you take on the mission call that the Lord puts in your life, to share his good news with others, that task is going to energize you. Because our only job of any significance on this side of eternity, receive the invite, RSV for the invite, send out the invite. Invite them to the great banquet. As the great Reverend Dr. Seuss said, all the places we will go. When we choose to follow him down the narrow path, he's going to take us to some places. There are some interesting places we're going to find ourselves at. The highways and the hedges of society are some pretty interesting places. And we're going to meet some really messed up and sinful people there. But the joy comes in the freedom of knowing this. Our job, just do the invite. Let the Lord take care of the cleanup that's needed. Let the Lord take care of providing them with the wedding garment that's needed. All we need to do is do the invite. And I hope that this message has fallen onto some rich soil today. That the Holy Spirit is stirring up something in your own souls. Maybe this message is exciting you to go out and become the disciple maker that the Lord has made you to be. Or maybe you're one that's in here thinking, I just wish they would stop inviting this guy to speak at the big C. All he ever wants to do is talk about the all-encompassing love of God and how his love shines as the rain falls and as the sun shines. But brothers, I can't. I can't stop. I can't stop. The Lord has captured me with his love. Praise God. Praise God. So in that spirit, let me end with this invitation to you, to every man in here. On behalf of my King, the great I Am, the Lord our God, I am sharing with you an invitation to the greatest banquet that all creation will ever know. And I'm here to tell you that nothing, nothing from your past can disqualify you. You have a seat at the table. But you may say, but you don't know what I've done. Hear me. You have a seat at the table. You don't know where this mind has gone. You have a seat at the table. You don't know what harm this hand have, have caused. You have a seat at the table. You don't know what words these mouth, this mouth has spoken. But you have a seat at the table. But don't think that for one moment that you can just say, all oh, RSVP later. I'll take care of this another time. Don't wait another minute because this invitation, it doesn't have a day or a time printed on it. We don't know whether it's 10 minutes from now, 10 years from now, 1,000 years from now. We don't know. Nobody knows. And I don't want anyone in this place to be someone holding on to an invitation but stubbornly refusing to RSVP. Today is the day to get your heart right before the Lord. Don't wait 
another minute. Perhaps you're here today and you need to commit yourself to the Lord for the first time. Praise God. Perhaps you're here today and you need to recommit yourself because you've never thought of the Lord calling you to such a beautiful yet dangerous and exciting and all the words we could say task that He sets before you. And you need the Lord's strength to be able to do that. If you're someone here today that needs that, come forward. Because i got to tell you, it's not hard to see these days that the harvest, the harvest is ripe, brothers. It is riper than it has ever been. I think we all who have been alive for more than two years, we know, right, that this, this world is in need of a Savior. And the Lord is looking for laborers, brother. And are you ready to raise your hand and say, Lord, I will be used wherever you send me. I don't care whether I agree with that person's view on this or that, and I don't care about how they're living their life this way or that. They need the invitation, and they need you to change their life, Lord. Praise God. Praise God. Let's pray. Lord, yeah, give him, give him praise. Give him praise. Give him praise. Lord God, we thank you. God, I thank you. I thank you for this message, Lord. I thank you that you are a God who loves indiscriminately, Lord, that you are a God that as the sun shines and the rain falls, so is your love. God, empower us to be men who love like you love. God, empower us to do this. There are lost souls out there, oh God, that need to know your saving grace. We are your vessels. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen, amen. amen. Praise God, brothers. Praise God for his word. We're thankful to Kishore and his gift of preaching that he so often blesses us with. If you'd like to find out more about Big C Men's Breakfast or Pops, you can find us on Facebook by searching Big C Ministries or email us at the email provided in the show notes below. If this message impacted you, feel free to listen to our other messages. The studies in Matthew are provided by Kishore and the studies in James are from our other gifted speaker, Aji. You can share this message with any friends or family in your life easily by hitting the share button. You can also subscribe to the podcast to be notified when we have any new episodes. Thanks for listening and God bless.